Welcome to Love and Power, An Unexpected Gift by author and speaker Jacqueline Palmer. Join us for this Women Inseparable study as we learn what it means to be filled with love and power. Here's Jacqueline. This brand new study has been on my heart for a long time. In three months timing, God wrote the study and published the study start to finish. That's what we get to start today. I love bragging on God. Don't you love bragging on God? What he does, he goes before everything. He goes before all things. And Colossians says he holds all things together. On that, we're going to start a 12-week study titled Love and Power, an Unexpected Gift. Love and power is given to us by God the Father. We're going to talk about that today. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, oh God, our Father, how wonderful, how awesome, how powerful is your name. Lord God, you sent your Son, Jesus Christ, for us. You made your Son, Jesus Christ, sin for us. Jesus, you knew no sin, but you took my sin. And for that, for that we praise you and we thank you. We thank you, Jesus Christ, for dying for our sins, for being buried in the weight of our sin and father god we thank you for bringing your son jesus christ our savior jesus christ alive again we thank you so much for his resurrection we thank you that he's alive today that he is the same yesterday and today and forevermore father god we thank you for your son jesus christ jesus christ we thank you for you and we thank you for sending the holy spirit to us we thank you that he's alive, that he's working in us, he's working through us, he's fighting for us. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being so real. We thank you, Holy Spirit, for being in this room already. We feel you, we love you, we know you. And we gather together before the throne in awe of who you are as our God. I pray that you'll be with us as we open up your word. I pray that you will speak, that you alone will speak, and that we'll get the truth that our individual hearts need from First Peter chapter 1. Oh, Lord God, author of this book, I lay First Peter 1 before your throne, and I ask you to go before and to hold all of our hearts as you do so. In the name of Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. First Peter chapter 1. I um, will be teaching from the ESV. What you have in your lap is perfect. You're like, I only have my phone. Good. I have my grandma's Bible, good. I have what, I just just have a Bible. That's my only request, just have, have the word of God. That's my request, in one form or another. What version is best for you is what's best for you. First Peter chapter one. We're gonna look at three verses specifically and see where we go from there. First Peter chapter one, reading verse six, seven, and eight. Do you like how I held up my one finger when I said six? Uh-huh. Yeah, First Peter 1, 6. It says, in this you rejoice. Peter is talking to a group of people that were um, spread during a hard government control. They're being exiled, separated. There's a lot of, lot of separation going on by the receiver in the hearts of the receivers of this, this passage, try to relate to what the original receivers 
are feeling as they read these words. First Peter pens of this letter and he says, in this, in this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. Do you see that in First Peter chapter one, verse six? And this she rejoice, even though, even, even if in this very moment you are being grieved by various trials, so that the tested genuineness of your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's verse six, that's verse seven. There's one little section I held out when I read over verse seven. Do you see that little part? And you're like, wait, wait, I know we have different versions in this room, but you missed, you missed the heart of the fact. Look at verse seven, he says, so that even though you're going through a various trial, even though you're facing these various temptations, he says, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, and then he writes in this very little tidbit, he says, your faith, and he defines your faith as more precious than gold. And then he defines that gold as something that perishes, though it is tested by fire. Even the finest gold, when it's tested by fire, is going to sharpen and shine and glean, correct? But when Jesus comes again, what's going to happen to that most precious gold that we have on earth? It's gone. Even the most precious gold, and those of us that kind of like jewelry just a little bit, and we want the finest gold, and we look for and desire, and we make our Christmas list, am I the only one? that already has a Christmas list on her refrigerator, and I kid you not. <laughs> I already have a Christmas list on my refrigerator. For those that are listening to this podcast months down the road, it's September 14th. <laughs> Sometimes we love those fine, beautiful things. Peter is saying even the most, and there's nothing more fine, right, than gold most pure gold. He says, even that gold is going to perish when Jesus comes again. When we are living in the realm of eternity, always and forever, that gold that we want so badly, everything that's on that Christmas list on our refrigerator so badly, it's all going to perish. It's all nothing. It is nothing compared to the beauty of your faith. How important is your faith? It's beautiful. It's beautiful, it's powerful, it's what makes us stand. Even today, anybody else have a hard time standing today? Some of us are like, oh, I'm in a good season. Don't you love being in a good season? Like, oh, I'm in a good season. Some of us are saying not so much. This season, over it. I'm over it, I'm out. Don't you love as women who are like, I'm out, I'm not doing this anymore? But what does that mean, right? Nothing changes. You're still stuck in traffic. <laughs> You're still there. My question for you today that I pray that you think about for the next 24 hours, my question for you today is, how is your heart? Will you even write that down? How is your heart, question mark? Just that, we at Women Inseparable don't favor homework. 
it's not our game. In fact, I met a new a new girl visiting today, and I asked her, you know, new here, why? And the one word came out of her sweet, precious lips, and the one word was homework. <laughs> There's no homework. It's a draw. It's why I'm here. I come to Women Inseparable because there's no homework. It's, it's what I love about it, among a couple other things. I gush a little bit when I get to talk about Women Inseparable. But we don't do homework, but what we do is personal challenges. We do personal challenges. And for some of us, those personal challenges are so much harder than filling in 10 pages of homework. We go through those homework books and we glean so much knowledge. If you're doing a, a study, glean that knowledge. The knowledge of God is powerful and beautiful and wonderful. But if you're gonna do a personal challenge, will you do that personal challenge? And do that personal challenge with God. So much so that I'm begging you, if you're not going to do it with God, please don't do it at all. Because all you're going to do is strive in the flesh and you're gonna be going after that gold and it's gonna perish. If you're going to accept a personal challenge today or in any session in Women Inseparable, do it with God. And you're going to want to make that commitment in this study specifically. Because the personal challenges we're going to be doing starting today and for the next 12 weeks all involve prayer. Is there a word that pops in your head when you think of your prayer life? Just curious. If there is a word that pops into your head regarding your prayer life, write it down. The personal challenges we're going to be doing today in the next 12 weeks are about scripture reading. Is there a word that pops in your head when you think about your time of scripture reading? You're like, what's the word supposed to be? No rules. You're like, it's, it's a big word. It's a whole sentence. I got a paragraph to write about my scripture reading. Write it down. Summarize it. Give yourself a letter that's going to trigger you when you get home. I need to write this down. How would I define my scripture reading? And then our personal challenges that we're going to start today and the next 12 weeks are about your fasting life. Is there a word that comes to your heart when you think of your fasting life? One thing that we do that is so important that we do is that we know where we are today. We need to know where we are today and to know where we are today, it has to start in our heart. It has to start in our heart. So I ask you, sweet friend, How's your heart? How would you answer that? Is there a word that you would write next to that question? And you say, I don't have to think about how my heart is. I know how my heart is. I know. I, I know. I woke up telling God very quickly how my heart is this morning. God knows how my heart is. Some of us are in a season of life that you can't even wrap your head around a word. Have you been there? You're like, you want me to get my heart and put it into a verbal definition can i can i write a sound <laughs> how do you write a sound <laughs> what does that look like in letter form the heart is tough life is hard seasons are hard life is great things are fun marriage is a blast raising a teenage son is wonderful Have you ever noticed that Tuesday is like sky high and Wednesday you're like crashed? Life is crazy. It is so crazy. And I grew up hearing the phrase, being a Christian is hard. And I always had a hard time with that because I always thought life sucks. I don't know if I can say that. 
Can I say that we're women inseparable? I am so sorry if I offended a heart. I truly, truly am. Life can be very, very difficult. It can stink sometimes. And I was raised as a Christian, and I was raised in a Christian society, and I was hurt badly by Christians. That I can say. That's my story. I have permission to say that. Being a Christian wasn't hard. Being alive was hard. Being with other humans was hard. Living in hypocrisy was hard. Being thrown in a box was hard. Seasons in life, uh, by box I mean like um, rules, legalism, no, I'm not a physical. Life is hard. Being a Christian, oh, does it make you want to breathe? Jesus says, come. Come where? Come to me. All you are who are heavy laden, and I will give you, give you rest. Jesus says, come to me, and I came to him, and I found rest, and I found freedom, and I found breathing, and I found a place that I could cry and be heard, and I found a place that I could be healed, and I found a place that I could stand tall, and I found a place that I could sing a song, even in the midst, even in the midst, I could sing a song. Why? Because being a Christian is not hard. Being a Christian is being a child of God, a sister to Jesus Christ, filled with the Holy Spirit, standing tall in the midst. That's what being a Christian is. How is your faith? How is your heart? This is what we're going to talk about today. We all can say, this is my life, and this is where I am. We could all say, this is my story, and this is where I am. We can all say, here's my reality. Here's my truth. And it'll have all the adjectives, all the adjectives. And I'm telling you, each of us have a story that is full of adjectives. Whether we want to share our adjectives or not, that's a whole different story. But we all we all have a story. We all also have a God. And I'm telling you right now with full faith in how big my God is, God is bigger than your adjective. God is bigger than your story. He is bigger than your song. He is bigger than your tears. He is bigger than your past. He is bigger than your present. He is bigger than that trial. He is bigger than that temptation. He is bigger than all the things because our God is God. He's God. He's the very Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. And there are some that might be sitting there and saying, I know the word God and I know the word Jesus. Believe me, I know the name Jesus and I know the name God, but I don't know what that has to do with me. And I'm telling you right now, it has everything to do with you because our God sent his son to be your Lord, to be your savior. And he did that. He did that by allowing Jesus Christ to put on flesh and to behave like a human, not behave like a human, to look like a human, to walk among us as humans, but without sin. He lived an entire hour without sinning one time. Can't wrap my head around that. I seriously can't wrap my head around that. I know he lived 33 years on earth. I know he died at 33. or like, he did a lot more than one hour. But the fact of the matter is we can say this sentence, Jesus lived 33 years without sinning, and it sounds so big and so vast. But on my day today, on a Thursday, he made it a whole hour. That's real. Somebody said harsh words to Jesus, and he didn't sin. That's real. 
Jesus had his brothers, his physical brothers. He had Jude tell him, I don't believe in who you are. That's real. He didn't sin. He didn't judge Jude. Not amazing. Have an unsaved family. Sometimes, well, that's a different study. <laughs> Jesus lived minute by minute by minute by minute for 33 years with not one sin found on him. He never tasted sin. He never thought sin. He never felt the guilt of sin. He never felt the weight of sin until he was on the cross with my sin on him. And he felt my sin for the very first time. He felt what sin felt like. None of us know what that feels like because we were all born sinners. We only know what it feels like to be a sinner. Does that make sense? Because we were born in sin, because we're human, because of Adam and Eve, because of Genesis 1 and 2 and 3 and 4 and Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers. Sin repeats itself, and you and I were born in sin. My precious baby boy was born in sin. Jesus was not born in sin. He had never knew what that felt like. It's amazing to me. And he only knew what that felt like because he went to you and he took it off you. And God made him, Paul tells Second Corinthians or the church of Corinth, he tells them, God made Jesus sin. God made his son sin, your sin, so that you won't be known as sin anymore. You want to know who God is? That's who God is. God is the one who loves the world so much that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever, you, me, whosoever, believes that Jesus Christ wore our sin, was buried with our sin, which means technically your sin was removed from you and buried in the grave in a country that you're not even sitting in right now. That's how far your sin is from you, FYI. God made his son sin for you, buried his son with your sin on him in the grave, and three days later, Jesus says it's done. And God brought him back to life. And our Jesus Christ is risen today. That's what this has to do with you, sweet sister, that does not know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? If yes, will you write yes on your paper? If no, will you write no on your paper anywhere? Do you know Jesus as your Savior? Sometimes we forget to think about that. I've been with Christian women a couple of times over the years. I've been teaching, um, been able to open scripture with women for over 15 years now, which is amazing. Sometimes, sometimes we as Christian women forget to think about God. Have you experienced that before? Have you ever gone through like, a, let's say, a Monday, and you're like, haven't thought about God once. You ever done that? Oh, I, didn't, I didn't even read my Bible today. Or maybe sometimes in our life as Christian women who know Jesus Christ as our Lord and Savior, we get all the way to Thursday, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, and we're like, oh my gosh, I don't even know if I've prayed. Have you done that? And I don't sit in the seat with any judgment whatsoever because, hi, I got saved when I was three. 
I have 40 some years. I can't even do math. I'm not trying to hide it. I'm 45. So I've been saved for 42 years. Is that the math I'm trying to figure out in my head? Can I just open scripture and not do num numbers? In 42 years, there's been a couple of seasons in my life. I've always been close to God. I've always had a relationship with God, but there are times in my life that I have forgotten to pick up this book. There's been times in my life that I have forgotten to fall completely in love on my knees before the throne of God. There's been times that I have forgotten to spend time of solitude with my God. It's happened a time or two in the last 40 years. Would you say that? I've got a woman over here that's running circles around me in decades with a relationship with Jesus. I think there might be a time or two, or no. She's like, oh, I've never had that problem. <laughs> Do you know the cure to that? The cure to that is in the Lord's Prayer. And we'll get to that in a second. I absolutely love that we opened by quoting and praying that together. But first, Peter, let me, let me go back to scripture here. First Peter chapter one, I'm going to start at six again and read all the way through to the bottom of eight. And I pray that as we read Peter's words, as we read scripture, that you'll think of your question, how is your heart? These are his words. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, your faith that is so much more precious than gold, gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, that your faith may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ and our hearts cry even so come, Lord Jesus. Verse eight, it says, though Though you have not seen him, you what? You love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him. And you rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory. And you sit there and you say, I know God and I know Jesus Christ as my Savior. And you ask me, do I know Jesus as my Savior? I wrote yes on my paper, but that joy is not there. I'm tired. I read these words. I read these words and I read the words to the church of Ephesus and I read the church letter at Philippi and I read Corinthians and I read Leviticus and I just have no joy. And I get on my knees and I'm talking to God and it's a one-way conversation. I'm just tired and I'm just drained and I'm over it. I've done it, I've done it, I've done it and I don't know why it's not working. I don't know why my love is not strong. I don't know why I can't feel the power of the Holy Spirit. Something's not right because I'm trying and I'm missing what I used to have and I want it. But I don't even have the energy in me to even want it. Am I the only one? Prayer, scripture, and fasting. Not as three separate entities. Can I present something brand new that I want to ask you to join me to do these next 12 weeks? When you think of love and you think of power, I want you to do these things. When you think of love and power, think about God, think about Jesus Christ, Think about the Holy Spirit. Simply think. 
simply think. Seriously, simply think. Think about God. Think about Jesus Christ. Think about the Holy Spirit. Just think about him. Whenever you hear the word love, maybe you're even watching TV and somebody says something, I love you, I know. You're watching something and you hear the word love and you hear the word power, let your brain, train your brain. I hear the word love, I'm gonna think about God. I hear the word power and think about God. I'm gonna think about Jesus Christ and think about the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I want you to think about prayer. I want you to think about scripture reading. Don't you think about fasting? And just as God, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit are three in one, prayer, scripture reading, and fasting, three in one. And I'm telling you right now, I'm testifying to you right now because I've lived this for decades with my God through Jesus Christ, filled with his spirit. And I don't say this with any level of boast. I've even asked God severely that I don't talk about myself during this study. But I'm telling you right now, I can testify that when you live a communion with God, with these three as one, to the God who is three and one, you are filled with love and power. Guaranteed, that is what scripture is saying. You want that joy, you want that love, you want that power, you want to see what these letters are saying and you want them to actually work, then you must think about God and you must think about Jesus and you must think about the Holy Spirit and you must do so in prayer and scripture and fasting as three and one, not as a checklist, not as something that I try to do. That's our goal this week. That's our goal next week. That's our goal for the next couple of months. It's as easy as you want it to be. Jesus says, come to me. Come to me and I will give you rest. And I guarantee right now, if you take on this challenge, if you walk with me in prayer, scripture, and fasting these next couple of weeks, you're going to see how easy, how easy it is. Can I testify? I am a lazy person. People say, like, what's your spirit animal? Is that the phrase? Sloth? 1,000%. <laughs> you can't get a slower person than me. Uh, I walk slow. I talk slow. I think slow. I like to run. It's like I'm running backwards sometimes. I, I'm literally, I'm seriously a slow-moving person. <sighs> Can I get that emphasized enough? For me, as a very lazy, very slow person, I'm telling you right now, this is the easiest thing that God has created for us. And he's created it and given it to us through the precious blood and resurrection of our Savior, Jesus Christ. He's already done the work. All we are doing is participating in Jesus's work. That's all we're doing. As you are today, in that state of mind that you said when we asked, how is your heart? And you said that word, got that word in your heart? Right there is where you start. You're like, okay, I need to get my, <laughs> I need to get right with God so that I could pray and, and read and fast correctly. No, you missed the whole point. As you are where you are right now, how is your heart? How's your heart? Seriously. Don't, don't Christian it. Don't mask it. Don't pretend it. Be raw. You can share that word with another person if you want, or you can crumple up your paper real quick and hide it. The fact of the matter is you know the word on your heart. How's your heart? 
can I ask you to stay right where you are and start this week's challenge right there? Don't try to fix it. Don't try to change it. Don't try to pick a different word. Stay where your heart is and do this week's challenge right there while you do that. Are you strong enough to do that? I'm telling you, if you are, you're a strong woman. Be there. Be there. You're like, what's this challenge? The challenge this week is this. 1 Corinthians. No, I'm sorry. 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. Verse 3. And I'm just going to read the first half of the verse. I like doing a study on the whole chapter because of context. But for this week's challenge... I'm going to read a half a verse, and I'm going to ask you to join me in that verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3. It says, listen closely to these words. These words are going to blow your mind. It says, blessed, blessed be the God. Do you see these words? Look at these words. You may never have seen these words before. And I joke just a little bit because some of us are Christian Bible readers. Some of us have read this a thousand times. Look at this as if you've never seen this before. It says, blessed be the God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do those words do something to your heart? Where is your heart? How is your heart? My question for you this week is to ask God that. Ask God that. God, where's your heart? Ask God, God, how's your heart? Think about that for 24 hours. That's your challenge. Spend time with this verse. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. God, how's your heart? Does a word cross your mind when you ask God? God, how's your heart? Interesting. Sometimes when you think about our relationship with God, we think about our relationship with God. Do you know a relationship takes more than one person? Interesting, isn't it? We are literally going to bring God into our relationship in this study. We're going to welcome God into his relationship with you. God, how's your heart? I have a feeling the word that crossed your mind is different than the word that crossed your mind for your heart. Will you spend 24 hours, you decide when those 24 hours are, whether they start right now or if they start tomorrow morning or whenever, just talk to God. And I'm not talking. I know, I know somebody had that question. Does that mean I have to go 24 hours without food? No, we're not talking fasting. We're talking about thinking. You hear love, you hear power, you think about God. Think about Jesus. Think about the Holy Spirit. For 24 hours, will you think about God? How's your heart? Blessed be God. Blessed be God the Father of my Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be God. Blessed be God. You're like, well, what about my Bible reading that I normally do on a normal day that I'm so tired with and I'm so bored with and I'm so overwhelmed with and I feel so guilty with and I can't keep up with them? Blah, 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 blah. Don't do it. Don't do it. Unless somebody else is depending on you, don't do it. This is between you and God, you and God, you and God, you and God. You and God. Don't do what you normally do. I mean, wash your dishes and stuff. <laughs> or don't. I didn't. <laughs> Lazy. 24 hours. 
we take on this challenge, 24 hours. Some of us are lazy, some of us don't know how to sit down. Those that don't know how to sit down, you don't have to sit. You don't have to sit and think, you can move and think, you can plant flowers and think. I heard, I don't know. <laughs> 24 hours, don't change a thing about your 24 hours. Don't change a thing about your heart. The only thing that you do for these 24 hours, just think about God. How's your heart, God? Fair? Okay, let's close in prayer. Father God, your disciples asked Jesus how to pray, and Jesus directed his eyes and his heart directly to you. And he so loudly and so proudly proclaimed the words, our Father, and he included us in a relationship with his Father. He said, our Father, who is in heaven, holy, holy is the name of God. Father God, your kingdom has come. He came through Jesus Christ coming to earth, dying on our, for our sins and being buried and rising again. Your kingdom came to earth through Jesus. And Jesus instructed us to pray that your will will be done on earth through us, in us, for us, by us, just as it's done in heaven. Father God, that's such a crazy concept to, to ponder. I pray that you'll help us to think about you, Father God, so that the more we think about you, the more we'll see what the Lord's Prayer actually is saying to us so deeply, so personally, so real, and so filled with love and so full of power. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth today as we are where we are for your glory. Father God, we love you. Blessed, blessed be our God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It's in Jesus' most precious name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us today. For more Women Inseparable studies, check out our website at womeninseparable.com. Send your questions to womeninseparable at gmail.com.